Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. God's going to do a tremendous work in all our hearts, and I believe this is a, um, a subject that we all want help in. And, and listen, <laughs> When you, when you see the word temptation, there's usually a negative connotation to it. And I understand that because uh, temptations in church are usually filled with uh, sin and things like that and the dangers of sin. But everyday life's filled with temptations. I mean, you know, you want to lose a few pounds and that cookie's tempting you. Temptations are everywhere. The boss, the work, you know, uh, there's a pen you need, and you could use that at home. You're tempted to take it home, and it's not your pen. You didn't buy it. So there's all kinds of temptations. Everybody got that and understand that? Okay, because we need to just be able to clear the air so we don't get just focused in in the area of, of well, we're going to get in a bunch of sin. No, we're, we're going to talk about temptation uh, in a way where I believe it will enlighten you, give you some information, and, and build up your, your hope, build up your walk, and, and, and to be able to have a, a winning attitude on Monday to overcome. Because you'll start seeing it in a different light after today. I believe you will for sure. But I, it's going to be something that it, it, it will bring revelation, understanding to where you're equipped, empowered. You know, I don't, I just, I did this thing for so many years with the lack of understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. And once I got that, once I understood purpose of being a follower of Jesus, not religious or, or you know, Christianese, but literally the purpose, the ability to go to work on Monday and not be a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? You, you ever been around those type of Christians where you're like going, no, that, everybody even runs from that person. And it should be on the contrary because Jesus himself, listen, Jesus, the word, God. I mean, he walked on this earth and people were running to him. They wanted to hang out with him. You might be thinking, well, it was all about because he might heal you or you get healed or whatever. No, it's more than that. They just wanted to be around him. They wanted to hang with him. And I'm telling you, how do we get it so wrong in church? But the point is, is we need to be those people that others, they're hurting. They have no hope. They have no purpose. Things are wrong in their life, and they need to be able to come toward you, look toward you, because you're solid. Listen, because you got character, Christian, I know those two words don't go together most of the time, but listen, we got to turn that around. I mean, but churches are so, they, they love to major in the super spiritual stuff. And I'm telling you that the super spiritual stuff is your ability to just be truthful, to be someone they can count on. That far surpasses the ability of you to pray in tongues. 
And I know people freak out on that. I didn't say not to. I didn't say it isn't available. I didn't say it is, it's, it's a God thing. I didn't say anything negative on it. I'm just saying it's the mindset of the super spiritual wacko Christians that think that that defines spiritualism over someone that can be truthful. Because I've seen a lot of spirit tongue-talking Christians that are fake, phony, liars, cheats, stealers, robbers. And I don't care. I want someone that has character to hang with, not a super spiritual wacko. Are you guys hearing me? And by the way, that little message right there, that's the Corinthian church. Hebrews 4.14 says this, but Jesus, the son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations, the same temptations as you and I, but did not sin, overcame them all. That right there is fine. But did not sin and overcame them all. He did what? had the same temptations. See, most Christians define a temptation as sin. No, the temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with the temptation when it comes. Everybody is tempted. Every one of you have been tempted. You were tempted on the way here. Some of you getting ready for church were tempted not to come. Some people lost the temptation aren't here. They went to Hawaii or whatever. <laughs> you got tempted. You lost. But you see what I'm saying? The temptations. The temptations are out there. Temptations are everywhere. So everybody's get tempted. And there are degrees of temptation, of course. But Jesus was tempted in the sinful, terrible ones as we were. As we were. As we are. Are you hearing that? Isn't that amazing? But it says he overcame them all. He didn't allow them to dictate or direct his life. He won. He was victorious on them. Why is that important? Because if Jesus was able to, so are we. We just have to learn. And that's what I want us to do. We want to learn. Amen? Now, Genesis 3.1, this is the beginning of how Satan operates. And it's something we all need to pay attention to. It's a foundational principle of, uh, of a truth. Anytime you want to get really uh, foundational on information of Scripture, you got to go to the beginning. Beginning where the word starts. It's like a root word of a word. And you get to the root form, the foundation, then you start seeing the essence of what that word really means. What should it be defined as? Because I'm going to tell you right now, most, uh, a lot, let's put it this way, a lot of stuff in translation is watered down so much that it doesn't even line up with the root of information, the root of what God really wanted us to understand. So we need to get to the root, the information, the foundation of a lot of things so we can get structure, right structure. And we know the importance of it when Jesus said, listen, let me show you a wise person. A wise person builds their house on a secure foundation. You build your life on a secure foundation. Do not Christianize the information I'm talking about. I just want, Love Life understands this, but 
there are people watching. You're going to be watching on YouTube. People are going to hear this message. When I say, when, I, when I'm talking about things, I'm talking about life. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about your religious concept of Christianity. I'm talking about life, life, life. So everything about this is about life. Do you hear me? Everything about this is about life. So what we do is we build a foundation, and you can take this to work. You can take this in marriage. You can take this in raising kids. You can take it in any subject of your life and understand, build a good foundation. You'll be successful when? When you need it to be successful. And usually it's when tough times come, when the winds come blowing, the rains come pouring, and the floods start lifting. I mean, those are the times when you're going, thank God I got a foundation. Thank God I got a foundation. Are you guys hearing me? Thank God I got a foundation. And that's what we need to have, foundation. So Genesis 3.1 says this. Now the serpent, the serpent was more cunning than any beast on the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, before we go any further, the word serpent is nakash, nakash. It's a Hebrew word that literally means bright and shining, bright and shining. And this is important to understand because we have to literally look at the enemy, not as this dark little imp creature that's snarling and the devil, but something more that's bright and shiny, something that's like, going, ooh, look how pretty that is. Come on, somebody. Or am I just talking to the women? You like bright and shiny, you know? The rings, bright and shiny. That means the, the, the diamond, you can really see the diamond. It's not, oh, that's an, is, is that, is there, oh, it's just a band? Or is that a rocket? You don't want that. You want something that's sort of like a, uh, the Flintstone diamond, you know, where you can't even lift your hand. It's just that massive rock on your ring. That's an old cartoon, by the way. So it says, the serpent, bright and shining. Now the root word, the root to that is literally the word whisper, but with incantation. Whisper with incantation. So it'd be like a, a, like a whispering of a magical statement, something enchantment. Now think about that because you take that root and it further came into brightness, shiny brightness. And what that does is it, it gives you the understanding that when the enemy is operating, he's doing, he's doing stuff evil that don't necessarily look evil. See, the world wants you to see this, this evil that, you know, scares you, the demon scares you, the devil scares you, and it's, ah, you know, and murder and destruction. Though he still kills and destroys, I need you to understand that the true enemy is one that can be sitting right next to you. I mean, the, it could be, it, it's the devil. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope to God he's not talking about you. All right. <laughs> so he says, has indeed God said, did God really say this? You don't know how many people, how many people, since I've been ministering or pastoring at church, that I had to help come out of deception because of this 
exact statement. Has God really said that? And you'll hear it right out of their mouth. But does the Bible really mean that? That's the same thing. Did, did God really? I mean, come on. You can't expect me to believe that. It's how the enemy operates. He wants you, the first step is get you to doubt. First thing he wants you to do. You know how simple this is? We judge everything tied to our view of ourselves. Everything. And when you hear a scripture that goes contrary to how you believe about yourself, I believe yourself to be the biggest loser on planet Earth. And you make sure you remember that. And you remind yourself of it. And then all of a sudden, you get saved and come to church, and now the scripture's saying, you are more than a conqueror. You're a winner. And you're like going, did God really say that? Come on. you got to be kidding me. can't believe that. God couldn't have said that about me. My life is filled with everything that says I'm not a winner. And that's doubting God's word. But it's based upon, not truth, based upon how you see yourself. That, do you understand, when you receive Jesus, when you come into this faith, this life, the whole thing about this thing is renewing, changing your old way of thinking into a new way of thinking. That is number one. Over anything else, there's nothing more important than that. Nothing. Not how to pray or how to stand in faith or how to fast or none of No. How to understand the importance of renewing your mind. I've been doing this for a long time now. And I can tell you, I can talk about the ABCs of faith, and 99% of people won't get it just because they hate themselves. So what is that going to do? What, how is that going to help you? It isn't. I have to get you to understand, first and foremost, that you've got to start changing your perception, changing how you see, changing how you feel concerning you. And it's a long project. It's a journey. It took me years. So that's the other thing I like to bring across the table of truth. This thing isn't a sprint. If you're wanting perfection now, you're never going to get it. If you're wanting to be mature now, it ain't going to happen. And we look at this and we go, this is, well, why? How come? And because everything in spiritual truth lines up with natural principles. What are you going to do? Have a child and it's going to drive next week? No. It's going to take time. It takes time for them to learn how to pick up dog poop, to mow lawns, to wash dishes, do all the things that, you know, you have kids for. <laughs> because you're not doing them no more. You're like going... That's why you have kids. So he wants to, he, he, he introduces doubt because the first step is start doubting God's word. He says, did God really say that? Now think about that. Your first reaction to that would be, shut up, who are you? That's what it should be. But what she does, she starts entertaining. And she starts, well, well yeah. And this is, this is where I watch especially young Christians. Well, it doesn't have to be young in age. I'm talking about newer to the faith. I mean even older ones, but they start thinking what they heard. Now, most people don't even have the full scripture. Eve certainly didn't have the full scripture. 
So what do you do when you don't have full understanding of something? It's the way we do. We add. We start adding to the Bible. That's a, we all do it. We all have done that. And so what we do is, you know, we start adding to the Scripture. It's, it sounded right. It sounds good. And we have friends. We have churches. We have people that they do it all the time. So when we hear them quote Scripture with them adding to it, we assume that's correct. But our responsibility is to know the truth that we have and to build upon that truth. Not try to jump grades. If you're in third grade, stay in third grade till you graduate. Don't try to be a junior higher. You're going to screw up. And that's what the church was doing for, you know, hundreds of years. We want to be, you know, the picture of religion, the picture of super spirituality. And so we want to cut corners. You know, we want to do everything we can to get up there because what are we doing? Respect, image, image, image. I'm telling you, it's all tied to this stuff. So we have to recognize, chill. Let's take this journey and enjoy it. I mean, what Jesus, his whole life was about. He had a purpose. He had a destiny. But he didn't just run to the cross. He took three and a half years to get there. How come? It's all about the cross. The Old Testament's about Jesus and the cross. So what does he do? He says, I need something to do. It's just as important. And that is to reveal the Father. So he spends three and a half years revealing the Father to go to the cross. And by the way, after he goes through the process of really Father, he says, the Father's sending me to the cross. Smart move, Jesus. You just loaded up information how awesome God is. And now when we hear that he's sending you to the cross, we're not going to hate him because we have full information of who he really is. But if he came in in the beginning and goes, the Father's sending me to the cross, see you guys, boom, die. You're like going, I don't like God. Anyway, so we understand that without full knowledge or lack of understanding, the tendency is you try to fill in the blanks, add stuff to it. And that's not what you want to do because Eve didn't say the scripture or say what she believes God said with I think, or it could be this, and I'll have to check with my husband. She didn't do that. She laid it in there and said, listen, God said not only don't eat it, but he said don't touch the stinking thing. He didn't say that. That's what she was defining in her own conscience. But the problem is, is the devil knows more scripture than a lot of Christians. Oh, my gosh, that had to hurt. No one in here, of course, but I'm sure it hurt someone. Because what he does is he looked at her and went, oh, you don't know, do you? I got you. So he goes at it now in a different picture. And the serpent says, hey, she doesn't have it. We made of the fruit of the gardens, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Because she said, if you eat and touch, we're going to die. We'll die. And the devil goes, no, you're not going to die. But he said it right. He actually said what God said. If you eat of this fruit, you shall 
Translation is this in the Hebrew, surely die. You shall surely die. Hebrew language is, and you shall die, die. Or in dying, you shall die. But it's two deaths, same word used. And there's a reason for that. You cannot physically die if you're spiritually connected in perfection with God. There's no sin. So you can't naturally die. But once you spiritually die, then you can physically die. Jesus went to the cross. He never would have died unless he had spiritual death. Once he had spiritual death with you and our sins, the curse of the world, then he can physically die. So the scripture is, in dying, death, there is death. Death, death. Eve said, we'll die. And the enemy comes in and says, you're not going to die, die. You're not going to die, die. There's not going to be spiritual death and physical death. That's what he's saying. Isn't that interesting? So what happens is, is he, he gets her at the place where she's looking at this stuff and now questioning. And the second step, uh, first he gets you, let's doubt. Second step is the denial, the denial part. The word doesn't say that. Eve starts doubting, which opens the door. She starts, wait a minute. He didn't? He didn't mean that? He didn't say that? And so there starts to be a denial of the word of God. This is what happened. I've seen this in church. My own life I've seen this. Where you start questioning the word and then you start denying that scripture. Denying the word of God in this area. Denying this. All because of something you feel on the inside or maybe something you don't want to do. Maybe you just feel like Googling your answer. Oh, we know people don't do that. You can, listen, you can get any answer that you want to have. It might not be on the first two, three pages, but you keep going, you'll get your answer, and then you say, Google said it. It's almost like saying, thus saith the Lord. It's like God said it, and we're using the word Google. I don't know how many turns, Google. I, I, I checked in Google. I Googled it. I Googled it. Asparagus is bad for you. Google it. You'll find that. And then you'll find just the amount opposite saying, no, it's good for you. But if you Google long enough, you'll get what you want to hear. Everything in the faith is the same way. In, in, in the Bible, same exact way. Same thing. Google long enough, you'll get what you want to hear. I've had, I've had, I've had to talk with couples, man. He, he, he got all this information on the Internet. And I'm going to go, so? I do it with a smile, not with a, so? It's like, so? Well, I mean, what does that mean? You Googled that information. Are you telling me there's no opposite information? And they go, I, I don't know. I didn't, never checked. Exactly. I said, Google long enough, you'll find what you want to hear. And just the way it is. People are that way. But we don't want to be that way, amen? If you look at Genesis 3, 6, it says, So when the woman saw, looking at the tree with a different attitude, when she saw, notice what's happening. When she saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to eyes, and desirable to make one wise, she ate it. 
Notice the process of what happens. She, the key is this. When the woman saw that the tree, what do you mean saw that the tree was good for food? See, what happened was is her view, her perception changed. See, God said, don't eat. So her perception used to be when she looked at the tree, she'd turn away from the tree. It's undesirable. I don't want that tree because I was told that's not a good tree. But hey, there's a million other trees all around here. Isn't that amazing? Just one tree. One tree. Millions of other trees. What are you doing over there, Eve? It's almost like they, they put, God put like Scottsdale Fashion Center right there. And the tree in the middle and said, hey, I want you to eat all this, but man, is it cool over here? No, stick in your Walmart area. Don't go over there. That's trouble. Are you hearing me? And I'm not anti-Scottsdale Fashion Square. But notice what she does. She looks and sees differently now. Why? That's what doubt does. And denial starts in. Doubt and denial starts looking at the word differently, looking at God's word differently. What was the word? Don't eat that. What is her view now? She doesn't even see don't eat it anymore. What happened? Same thing happens to followers of Jesus, believers. They used to see the word of God, but now they don't see it the same way anymore. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody here knows that. If you've been a Christian for a long, any length of time, you understand this. There's always a temptation. There's always a challenge in this area, isn't there? So she looks with an appetite, pleasant to the eyes, make one wise. John, First um, uh, John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The world's passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So the, the scripture is very clear that these three areas are what happens when the temptation comes and you start succumbing to it. You start opening the door to your old nature, the nature of the flesh. That's what it means. Flesh nature is your old way, your old way of doing things. All right? So it starts with thought then action to the thought. Starts with thought, then action to the thought. Young people in here this morning, everything about your life is tied to what you're dealing with every day at your school, every day at your house, wherever. Thought, action to the thought. You start becoming negative or bad, or you start doing things that you know you shouldn't do. Thought with action. See, the problem is, is you're losing the battle with the thought. There's no action without the thought. Well, how do I fix it? Well, my question is, is what thoughts are you hanging around with? Very simple. What thoughts are you hanging around with? Because that right there will determine what you're going to think. Now, until you're strong enough, mature enough to be able to be around that type of atmosphere without being influenced by it, stay away from it. 
Just stay away from it. What, the God, God didn't even send out his disciples by themselves. We got parents, yeah, go, 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 go. And we got Jesus going, no, you ain't going by yourself. Take another one with you. That, that's a new parental teaching. I didn't even know it was there. That's a good one. But it's fact. It's fact. And everybody in here can say, yo, say man, because you all know what I'm talking about. There are times when you're good, times when you thought good, and you could look around your atmosphere, and that's a thought process. Good and thought good. And then you get around the bad, and what happens? Bad, think bad. It's so, it, listen, it, it's what you avail yourself to, what you open yourself up to. And we need to have success, victory, because there's nothing worse than living a double life. It's the worst thing there is. There's nothing worse than that. I mean, we all need to shout it out to the world because that's the way most people are living their lives. Fake. Can't be fake news, amen? We've got to be real news. So she didn't see the, the tree correctly, which she should have seen. God said, stay away. So her view should have been, stay away. I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at that. But it didn't work that way. It's so interesting, when you look at Scripture, majority of the time the enemy operates, he operates with trying to get the eye engaged. Isn't that something? He's trying to get the eye engaged. Did you know that most of the time when God's talking about what he wants has to do with ears? The enemy eyes God ears. Everything about God and wanting you in success has to be with your ability to hear correctly. The enemy's trying to get you to look. Look, look, look. Take a look, take a look, take a look. We don't want to be that way. We want to do it God's way, amen? So Satan is, his MO from the very beginning is the destruction, to destroy. We see in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices, how he operates. If we're ignorant of how he operates, he'll take advantage of us. And the word of God is very clear. We're not supposed to be ignorant of how he operates. So we're not going to be ignorant about temptation, amen, because we understand how he operates. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles of the devil, the mind games of the enemy, that we will stand against how he operates. Again, this is not just, I'm a Christian and everything's good now. You're a Christian. You just entered into war. It'd be nice to hear that type of messages when you first receive Jesus. Not, oh, everything's going to be better and perfect and sweet. No, there's going to be puppies and flowers. Heck no. When you become a Christian, all hell breaks loose. People start leaving you. People don't like you. Even your parents don't like you anymore even though they didn't like you before, but don't matter. It amplifies. But I'm serious. Things change. It's just like, what did I do? I'm just believing in Jesus. Everybody hates me now. No, the haters hate. It's those people, not the other people that you need to get to know or not get to know. But either way, there are people that do love, and love you and care about you. Amen? All right. So we, we see the enemies saying, listen, I'm out to get you 
and I have different ways of how I get you. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I, I like to fish when I get a chance to finally do it. But for years before, you know, becoming a pastor, I'm not trying to, you know, establish that doing this type of thing is, is tough and hard and takes your whole life away, but I used to fish a lot. <laughs> I used to hunt a lot and fish a lot until I became a pastor. Oh, man, I guess it is really suck. All right, no. But the thing is, is, is fishing is, is so connected to what I see in Scripture in the areas of temptation. And that's what we're going to look at today. So first and foremost, let's change the background because we're going to go underwater. We're going to go where the fish live. Amen? Here we go. Now we're all underwater. Habakkuk 1.14, this is so cool. Listen to this. this. This is how the Babylonians, when they took Israel, and they took Israel, at, you know, they destroyed Jerusalem and took Israel as slaves, and this is what it says. This is what the prophet was saying. Babylonians treat people like fish. They have no ruler to direct them. Babylonians catch people with hooks as though they were fish. They drag them off in nets and shout for joy over their catch. And I thought, the Babylonians, they did what I used to do when I fished. Man, I'd go out there and throw some catch a fish with my hook and I'd shout for joy. Look at my fish. I know you fishermen would do the same exact thing. I don't care where you're at. If you're on a lake and you catch a fish, you ain't hiding that fish. You're making sure people across the lake, next to you, people down the stream, wherever, are seeing that you caught a fish. Because most of the time, we don't catch fish. And when you do, it's celebration. Amen? Celebration. Look what the Lord has done for me. Fishy, fishy, fishy. But the point is, is the Babylonians, literally, this statement is amazing. And so we're going to look at temptation in connection with fishing, all right? So if you're not a fisherman, it don't matter. It's all going to be good. You're going to love it just because it's funny, all right? So fishing, where is my starting point? Here we go. Four primary methods the enemy uses. Four primary methods the enemy uses. And guess what I'm going to use? The acronym FISH. So we're going to go F-I-S-H. Four temptations. And this can be fun. The first one, and I'm going to show you the type of lure, is a swim bait. The swim bait is tied to the word F, and that is fake, fake. There is a lure that, that looks like the fish itself. It's a counterfeit. It's not a real fish. But doesn't that look like a fish? It got a hook hanging on it. Most fish don't run around with hooks. But that is, that's exactly what we have to see as far as a type of bait or type of lure that is used. Because fake is how the enemy operates to try to, excuse me, try to get you to bite into temptation. He brings something that looks real. And we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus because this really opens up really a really good picture of this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, Jesus was 
led into the wilderness, and he was tempted of the enemy for 40 days, 40 nights. He didn't eat the whole time. He got to a place where he was really, really hungry, and the enemy comes on the scene. And so this is one of the temptations that he is dealing with and the place where he is in this temptation. The devil took him upon the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of a temple. And he said to them, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. The devil quotes Psalms 91. Or does he? And see, this is very interesting because what you see is, is the devil knowing Scripture, talking to the Scripture, the Word. Now, that's a bold move if you ask me. But also, don't you think it'd be sort of a, a wise move in an attack? Because here he is bringing up as if, hey, I know the Word. But see, this is this is this counterfeit word. It's it's y'all know when you go to a store and you pull out a hundred dollar bill. Well, maybe you don't all know that, but you pull out a hundred dollar bill, they don't just take it. It's not like a five dollar. You know what I'm saying? You know, they'd be taking all that nasty cash from me, and it's like going, okay, no big deal. You pull out a hundred, all of a sudden they're like going, magnifying glasses, holding it up, looking and and, and calling a manager over and why? Because we, they ain't, we, they ain't counterfeiting, you know, one and five dollar bills, ten dollars, whatever. They're not, they're count, they want to counterfeit that amount. And they make it to where it's almost real looking, but it's missing just a little bit. Missing just a little bit. Come on, somebody. He throws out this scripture, but the problem is it's missing. Just a little bit. It looks like truth. It sounds like truth. It's just missing a tiny bit. But that tiny bit matters. And see, we go through life as followers of Jesus, and there's a lot of scriptures that we're missing a tiny bit, and it's like no big deal. No, the tiny bit matters. You don't want to live a counterfeit. Come on, no. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying the Christian faith is filled with counterfeiters. And I'm not talking about we're fake Christians. I'm talking about we're living counterfeit lives, and we think it's real. But it's not. And so we've got so many different beliefs and so many different viewpoints, so many different opinions. You know why? Dude, I mean, people, this stuff has never changed. It's the same scripture. How are there so many different viewpoints? Because there's been counterfeiting going on. There's men's attitudes, denominational attitudes, people attitudes. Well, it didn't work for me, so let's change some things. Let's fix some things. Let's do different. And that's what happens. Same Bible. Are you guys hearing? It doesn't, it doesn't change when it goes to a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Lutheran church. It's the same Bible. People have to make the changes. Stop reading it. Stop paying attention to it. 
adding what their viewpoints are, what they feel, what they think. If it's truth, it's going to line up with the whole Scripture, totally. If it's not true, it's not going to line up. You're going to see things going against it. It's like when you look at Scripture, God, you know, God causes death and disease. It doesn't line up with Scripture. Sorry. You can't say that. You cannot teach that. It doesn't line up with Scripture. But does that stop them? No. You can go on right now, Google, and watch all kinds of awesome, quote, programs. Talk about how God, you know, gave you cancer. He's going to use it. He's going to mature you out of it. You know what? I've been doing this for 35 years. I've never seen any Christian mature or grow strong because of sickness or disease. Not one. I've seen them lose the faith. I've seen them quit coming to church. I've never seen one. Not one, not one, not one. You'd think God would change this screw up. He's using sickness and disease to grow people up. Why do we not have mega growth? Because all Christians deal with this. Because it doesn't line up with truth. But it won't stop them from preaching this crapola or crapita. Does it? No. And that's the problem. The enemy knows it. Religion knows it. And we've got countless millions of followers of Jesus that are living counterfeit lives. They don't even get it. They don't even know it. And they'll fight for the right. That's cool to know I can do that. They'll fight for the right to keep it counterfeit. Is that crazy? It's crazy. He says, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up. And then Jesus said, uh-uh, that ain't right. That ain't right. He didn't say that, but his actions showed that what he said wasn't true. Because what left out of this is all your ways. And when you read this, it says, he shall give his angel charge over you and all your ways. When you look at the Hebrew and you look at the context, it's about putting God first, putting him first in everything he did. But the devil took that part out because he doesn't want God first. He doesn't want God's ways first. He wants us to start looking at it incorrectly. So the counterfeit comes up. Just a little, it looks real. It looks real, but it's not. So we bite. The devil pulls back, and we're caught in the temptation. Are you guys hearing me? There are a lot of temptations. Look good. Look real. She loves me. You're married. It's a better job. It's this and that. You're getting tempted over something that looks real, but it's not real. Are you guys hearing? We can't allow ourselves to get caught like that. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says this, and Paul just got through talking about, be careful for fake teachers, fake leaders. So be careful. And then he says this. He goes, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He disguises as an angel of light. Counterfeit, counterfeit. Be careful, for Satan himself disguises him like a mean monster. No. We're all going to run from that, aren't we? I ain't getting near that thing. I ain't getting rid of demons or witches or any of that ugly stuff. 
But you got all devil, all shiny and going, hallelujah, brother. Hallelujah. Get behind me, Satan. I'm not saying if you do that, you're Satan. I'm just messing with you, all right? But notice what it says. It says, the enemy himself transforms himself into an angel of light. What's he doing? He's manipulating the word, manipulating the word, tweaking the word, manipulating the word. We got to understand that because the temptations can come. That lure is going to be thrown out toward your life. And you don't want to take bite of it. Amen? You do not want to take bite of it. I for instinct. You got F for fake, I for instinct. Instinct is a spinner bait. Spinner baits are a little different, they sparkle. That doesn't even look like a fish. I remember the first time I saw one of those and thought, why would I use something like that? That metal thing? Why would a fish? Fish ain't going to go out that big old metal thing. And then it's sitting there going, spinning in the water. Why would I? I'm going to get something that looks like a fish. Come on. I'm not going to use that. And then you guys, you know, you go to watch it on TV and you watch Bass Classics and Bass Pro this and all of a sudden, and they're pulling out, you know, 10, 12-pound bass on those things. And I'm like going, oh, I'm using those. Now, I don't know why I still haven't caught one of those kind of fish, but if they did it, I can do it. But isn't that amazing? So the spinnerbait, now look at this. Spinnerbaits, it's very interesting about this is it is not going after picture or view it's going after the fish's instinct to bite. And that thing's sitting there going, shiny a fish looks at that and goes, ow, he has to. He says, ow, I got to get it. I'm a, I'm a fish. I don't know anything else. And he goes after it, boom, bites it. Only because it's his instinct. You guys hearing me? You see, temptations come also just from our instinct. If we don't watch ourselves, and this is why I say we've got to live consciously and not subconsciously. Because if we don't live consciously, we're going to redo problem after problem after problem. Or we're going to do what we always say we're not going to do, and that is I'm not going to be like my parents. Yeah, you are, 100%. Just the way they were, you're going to be. Why? Because you aren't consciously changing. You have to consciously change your thought process consciously change your action. If you don't, you will 100% be just like them. Everything that you don't like about it, everything you hate about them, is you now. Why? Because you chose to live life without living life. And if you want to live life correctly, you got to understand it's not about existing. you got to make a choice every day. Make a choice. I choose and start living your life correctly. Amen? You're not created to exist. You're created to live life and live at large. So the instinct is very important to see. And when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. Just eat. It's natural. Come on. It's just a, it's a natural thing to do. Turn the stone to bread and let's go. Let's go. You're hungry. 
There ain't a store 100 miles from here. We're in the wilderness. Come on, Jesus. Make the bread. Just make the bread. Do it. And he's trying to get them to bite. He's bringing that, that little sparkly spinnerbait. And he's going, come on, Jesus, stone in the bread, stone in the bread, stone. Come on, Jesus, stone in the bread, stone. And, and Jesus is like going, I don't think so. We be doing this. You ever heard of largemouth bass? Now turn to your neighbor and say he's talking about you. No, we be you spring that spinnerbait's coming right by us, and our instinct is ow! And all of a sudden we're going in life. We're caught, we're trapped. All because of what? Because we operate out of instinct. We bite it. We impulse. I gotta have it. I gotta buy. We gotta leave. We gotta move. Decisions in 2020. Not a good idea. We stopped doing this. We got to quit doing this. Let's go here. Let's move here. Let's do that. You don't make decisions in a pandemic. That's crazy. You don't know how many people I saw do stupid things, even in their relationships. We're just like, it's terrible. It's 2020. No one's getting, uh, getting along right now. <laughs> I, I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's ridiculous. But we get impulsive. We go shopping. That's what, listen, they spend multi-millions, multi-millions on how we react to purchase something. They don't just go in and go, hey, maybe if we make it red. They study colors. They study sound. They study human nature. They put billions of dollars into this stuff to get you to release a dollar. Don't think you're going in the store and they're not prepared. I'm telling you right now, that everything's made to get you to bite. And they love impulse. Why do you think all these, you think these ads are for people that are just really consciously thinking about it, going, nah, I ain't going to touch that stuff. No, they know most everybody. Most of those Facebookers, most of those people, they all sitting there going, well, look, at it's on sale. Oh, it says only for today. And next week, it's the same ad. But see, you already bet. You already went. You're hanging on a hook right now. It's on sale again. It won't be on sale again. You bite two bites. That's how people are. Why? Because of instinct. The nature of the flesh operates that way. The old way operates that way. We can't be those people. Amen? I don't want to be hanging on a hook. I don't want to be on that spinner bait. The spinner bait of life. We just bite, impulse, impulse. Oh, look at that car. Look at that this. Look at that. Bite, 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 bite. After a while, man, you, that hook hurts. And your life ain't the same anymore. That's why you literally got to really work out the, the view of what you're going to pay for and why you're going to pay for whatever it is before you even get near that new thing, especially vehicles. I don't even get in one. They love to go, you want to get in and drive? Get in, get in, get in, drive. You want to drive it? You want to drive it? I go, no. I'll talk price first, then I'll drive. No, they, they literally, they, there's, there's a chemical that makes you stupid. That new car is like, smells like getting you, and you're like going, I'll buy it. I didn't give you a price yet. It doesn't matter. Can you afford 800? I thought I said three. No, you said eight. Okay, I'll do it, 800. It's a smell. 
and the next week it smells like McDonald's if you have kids. It, all of a sudden, a week later, you're going, why did I buy this car? I hate it. And you have McDonald's fries and strawberry shake on the shift knob. All right. But it's impulse, amen? Impulse. You, you see through Scripture the same thing. You got Esau. He sold his whole birthright for soup. For some soup. That had to be some Martha Stewart soup. It had to be the best soup in the world. It's just crazy the things you read in Scripture. But I'm telling you, Daniel fast. Anybody ever do an impulse bite? Oh, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You just don't want to raise your hand. Impulse bites, Daniel fast. For the first ones, I got better later, but I can't say I didn't have an impulse bite because I might have. Might not, might have. Only me and God know. But I remember getting Chick-fil-A on a Daniel fast because my boys weren't old enough to do Daniel fast. So we're, we're, you had Daniel fast simple without kids. We had Daniel fast extreme. It's like fasting 40 days and 40 nights in a Daniel fast. It's that. It's just terrible because you're cooking, you're you're buying food, and you're on Daniel Fast, but your kids aren't. And I remember getting their food ready in that room just out of instinct, out of impulse. I put one of the chicken nuggets on my mouth. I wasn't thinking. I'm not kidding. It was just, you know, out of habit, get theirs ready and put that in there. And I almost took a swig of lemonade. And I went, oh, my gosh. Oh, Daniel fast. And then I thought, do you spit it out? And I thought, no, you already tasted it. So I ate, I ate it. Impulse, impulse. It, listen, I didn't go out to go, I'm going to cheat on Daniel fast. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to eat some of these nuggets. I'm going to cheat. No, I'm doing Daniel fast correctly. It was an impulse bite. Impulse bite. And that wasn't the first time. It's been on other Daniel Fasts when it's just an accident, out of impulse. You forget. Yes, your pastor's not perfect. And next Daniel Fast, you're probably going to think about him and going, I wonder if he's really doing it. Or is he impulse biting? And how many times does he impulse bite? Is it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Is that crazy? Anybody impulse bite? <laughs> Anybody, you said, I dropped the term impulse. I just bite. <laughs> but that's what happens. And, but that's a picture. That's a type. That's an understanding. You got, the, you got the fake out there and you're going, is it real? I don't know if it is. Doesn't matter. Chill. You got the impulse. Oh, no, get it. Let's do it. Oh, look at that. No, we got to chill. We can't be going after that sparkly little shiny thing just because it's what we do. It's just what we do. It's how I'm made. No. Amen? Are you guys hearing me? Paul says this, I discipline my body. I bring it to subjection. 1 Corinthians 9.27. I discipline my body. Bring it under subjection. We got to not do quick decisions, impulse decisions. Let's go. Let's do it. You got to weigh out the whole thing. 
And could you imagine if I wake up today and I go, hey, let's go to the lake. Might as well, it's a sunny day. And it's Sunday. And then all of a sudden you guys come here and I don't even, I'm not even here. Everybody's like, oh, where's he at? Impulse. <laughs> I'm going to try it once. Just freak people out. No, I won't. What did Jesus do? He communicated the word. He put, no, God's first. He's my priority. He's not going to take the bait. He's not instinct. He said, you got to trust the Lord your God. I'm not doing this because God's first in my life. He's number one priority. Are you guys hearing me? All right. We're on S. Simple. And that's a jerk bait. That's a jerk bait. Okay? Now, jerk bait doesn't mean the bait has an attitude. Put it that way. All right? <laughs> what the jerk bait is for is, is for it looks wounded. It looks hurt. It looks broken. The face is red, looking like blood. And what a jerkbait does is you're, you're pushing it through the water. You're taking your pole and you're jerking it. Oh, he's got a worm on there. So you're jerking it. And the reason why you're jerking it is that thing is sitting there going, stop. And it's not a, a fish is going to go, whoop. But something wounded, something hurt is going to be jerky. Jerky. And so a jerkbait is exactly that, easy to kill. See, the devil likes to find the ones that are easy to kill. Just like the fish is doing. It's looking for, hey, that's an easy lunch. That's an easy meal. It's simple. I'll get it. And that's what this is, S. Simple, wounded, weak. Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him upon a seating high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, all these things I will give you if you just fall down one time. Bend your knee just once and worship me. He didn't say, come to my church for a year. He didn't say, he didn't say anything that put longevity in the action. He said, just this, just bow one time. He's looking for the simple kill. Fish is going, oh, that's simple, pow. And that's exactly what he's doing with Jesus. He's going, just, just go down, one time, one time, simple. And that's what the devil's doing. He's going, are you going to go for the simple? Simple kill, simple kill. That's what the devil's looking for. Can you be a, are you going to be a simple kill for him? Because, see, if you're wounded, you're hurt, you're walking around all offended, you're a jerkbait. Or not a jerkbait, you're a wounded fish. <laughs> or a jerkbait. I noticed I said bait with the word jerk. Okay, just so you understand. I don't want people going, Pastor, call me a jerk today. No, I didn't. I said, you're jerkbait. Okay, just listen to what I'm talking about, jerk. I mean, <laughs> just playing, just playing. So the enemy, again, is operating in a way where he's saying, can I get him in a down state, in a position of weakness? 
Can I get him? See, he's saying, just simple, simple, simple. Just do it real quick. Do it, do it. Nothing hard, really easy. And that's so important to see because all he's going is just what we do it. Every bad thing you have in your life that you don't like, just the one time, just once. Start it. That's how it starts. It didn't say, hey, let's binge drink for a week and you never taste the alcohol in your life. No, no one does that. It's the just one take, just one time, one time. That's how it opened up my life. Eighth grader. My buddies, my neighbor, my friend down the street, his brother was a senior in high school, linebacker for the football team. He looked like 40 years old. The guy had hair on his face, hair on his arms, hair on his back. And he, and he, was, like a, he was like a gorilla. And he's, and he's what? 18 years old. I'm not kidding you. You ever seen guys at school that way? I mean, just, I mean, it was like, he, he was a man. And he was, he was tough. This guy was, you know, and, and he was a partier and all that stuff. But he got him to go buy, buy us Bud Weiser. But it didn't make us wiser, Bud. And he got us a six-pack. He's not even old enough to drink, but the dude, I said, I'm telling you right now, easily look 30. Easy. So he goes in, gets it, brings it back, and his brother now has this. If you knew his family, you'd understand, like, this ain't an issue. I mean, the parents probably had him chugging at four. But anyway, moving right along. I mean, they're a crazy family. They're into hot rods and all that stuff, just crazy. But anyway, um, and they got it, and I remember Going over there, we were going to shoot hoops, and, and he's going, I got some beer. And I went, what? what? Okay, what? Let's go drink some of it. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm not a Christian. My parents don't drink. Everything I know about drinking is not a good thing. I, know, I, don't, I don't see positives about it at all. But now you got peer pressure. And it's going, come on, just drink it once. So... I drank it once. Oh, my gosh. That was the most disgusting tasting stuff after that. Disgusting. Disgusting. Terrible. But that one little try, that one open door, that one compromise, just the one, just the one, just the one, hit it once, taste it once, shoot it once, just once, 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 once. Everything, every addiction, every problem, everything in your life has started with just the once. And all of you that have had addiction problems, have had isms in your life, whatever they are, you all know it all starts the same way. One, one puff, one puff, one taste, one touch, one view. All the ones with pornography habits, it didn't just happen. One view, one look. Why do you think the commercials, why do you think everything's the way it is? It's trying to get you that one, just the one. Trying to get the ball rolling on one. Are you hearing me? Why? Because the enemy's looking for this. He's looking for people that are going to be a quick kill, a quick kill. So he does it. Here. His end game is, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. That's his end game. I'm going to kill you. 
He doesn't present it that way. He didn't show it that way. He doesn't picture that way, just like the world does. I can guarantee there are more statistics negative about drinking than there are positive. Guarantee it. Now I know you can Google them, whatever, and, and whatever. It's a big fat lie if you see anything other than that. I mean, the one, number one deaths in vehicles are caused by DUIs. How can you sit there and say anything good about it? Because it really isn't. If you're going to really look at it and investigate and be honest, but I can guarantee you're not going to see any commercial showing you truth. Never. It's going to show you GQ people, all slim, all cool, all buff, moving right along in church, talking about God things right now, right? So the enemy is just saying, just do it once. Just take a small taste. Do it once, 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 once. Listen. He wants us to look at it and say, instant gratification. It's not, listen, it's just not going to be one time. But he wants us to get it one time. You ever tried to eat one piece of pie? Okay, I'm done. No, nope, ain't happening. It's going to be more than one. One laced potato chip? No, nope, it's going to be more than one. Try it. So we got to watch ourselves, amen? So you got the simple jerk bait, easy kill, looks wounded. And you got H, a jig bait, hidden. Jig baits are good for the bass that are hanging under rocks and logs. And, and they're on their little bed where they're, they're, where they're raising their, getting their young established and they're in their position. They're not moving. They're in places that they're stuck. They're sitting there. They're ready to ambush and things like that. But a jig bait is something that you're just popping. You're just you're taking your, your pole and you're just jigging it up and down in front of the face. In front of, you're just like, come on, bite. Come on. You want it? You want some of this? You want some of this? Come on, bite it, bite it, bite it. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. You're trying to make them good. You're trying to make them get it. Because why? They're they're sitting there. They're not moving. They're not like out in the area where they're getting to getting, they, they're just like feeding time, feeding time. They're like sitting back and going, no, I'm going to wait for something dumb to come my way. I'm just going to sit back and wait. As a matter of fact, I'm taking nap time right now. And what you do with the jig bait is you're just like going, come on, come on, come on. You ever sit at, see a kid at the grocery store? Come on, mommy, I want it. Come on, give me one. Give me, come on, mom. I want one of those. Mom, please give me one of those. That's a jig bait. That's exactly what jig bait is. Come on, please, 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 can I have it, 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 please, can I have it, can I have it? Now you're going to look at a kid differently, aren't you? You're going to have this whole mindset of that picture on that little child. You're going to sit there and go to your wife. That's a jig bait right there. We don't want to raise no jig baits. <laughs> Come on, somebody, y'all listen to me. Some of your parents are looking down. That probably happened this week, didn't it? Trying to help you, trying to help you, that's all. So a jig bait is you're agitating the fish to strike. You're trying to get him mad. Come on, jump. And he's just like going, all right, that's enough. And bites it. Just out of anger. Just out of frustration. He's like going, all right, enough's enough. Give me that thing. He's like eight all morning long. He doesn't want to eat. He's just sitting back chilling on this log. And you pop in that jig bait, just throwing. And he's sitting there going. Grabs it. See, that's another temptation. When temptation comes and the enemy's trying to get you to get 
angry, agitated. You're just like, ah, get it. I'll bite. I'll bite. And that's exactly what happens. Satan sees that Jesus is hungry. When you're hungry, a couple things happen. Psychologically, your mind is affected. The way you think. Everything in the mind changes. The body is hungering, which brings agitation, aggravation. So you got a mind issue and a body issue that's going on. This is natural. Remember, Jesus is 100% human and 100% God. So he's experiencing the hunger. He's experiencing the pain. He's experiencing how the mind is operating. Now, he's not falling into, but he's experiencing all these temptations. And the devil comes on the scene when he sees that he went 40 days, 40 nights, and hasn't ate a thing. And Scripture says, and he hungered. That hunger now is driving him to reaction. You guys hear this? And what does the devil do? Hits him with three temptations. Bible says Jesus was hungry, and then the devil comes in with three temptations. Follow the principle, because he's looking at the he's looking at Jesus, hungry, and now he starts going. Come on, change him, bread and stone in the bread. Come on, bow down to me, and he's just jerking that bait on. And Jesus sit back, and this is the this temptation. He gets Jesus to scream out an angry statement. And he says this, get behind me, Satan, with anger. Now, the scripture is very clear, Ephesians 4.26. Do not, I mean, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. Scripture is very clear on the where anger should be focused in on. It's not focused in on the person. It's focused in on the sin, the action of the sin. There's a place in Scripture where Jesus comes on the scene at church, and they literally have turned church into a shopping mall to make money off of God's stuff. And Jesus came in there, and it, he literally rose up with anger. Be angry and sin not. And as he was there, he made a whip. And he started beating down these people. Jesus would never do that. Oh, yes, he would. And he just started smacking away. He'd literally flipping tables. I mean, just, he literally went, oh, that's, that ain't happening in my house. You will not make my house a den of thieves, robbers, cheats. This is God's house. You ain't going to do this in this house. It was a sin. It was the reaction towards sin. Are you guys hearing? So what happened? Oh, Satan got him to get to a place, but he didn't go to the way that he wanted him to. He knew he was hungry, very hungry, and he's been tempted and tempted, and now he's at a place where I'm going to throw down this temptation, and Jesus then says, enough! Get behind me, devil! But he didn't stop there, and that's so important because that in the text of the Greek is complete anger. 
And then he goes into conversation. Ooh, don't you wish we could do this? Woman, why don't you? Okay, I understand. It's been a rough day. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I can't believe you. Why would you make this? And then we continue. Wouldn't it be awesome if we wouldn't enter into sin? Amen? He wouldn't be tricked in the time of his hunger and the agitation of the temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to people. No temptation has overcome you except such is common to people. But God is faithful. See, the Lord understands the Father. Jesus was on a mission, and he wasn't going to be persuaded any other way but the right way. And out of the anger, he stopped and continued on with the Word of God. He didn't fall for the trap of the lures of the enemy. He stopped. He was in control. He got angry at the things that were right to be angry at and loved everything else. Are you hearing me? Just the way we're supposed to be. Love people, hate sin. Amen? Love people, hate sin. Yeah, but they're the ones doing it. Yeah, but that's a problem, isn't it? Because it's so simple to hate people because of what they do. And that's pretty much what we do all the time with ourselves and with other people, with relatives, with family, with friends, with work people. Because it doesn't operate that way. It doesn't operate with this, that person. Now, if you shoot it at that person, you're probably doing it with yourself. And it's got to stop. Amen? It's got to stop. Hate the sin, not the person. Hate your action of what you did, but don't hate yourself. Renew, change, fix. But if you start hating yourself, you never can love. Impossible. Are you guys hearing? And it says... We are going to be tempted, but God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to. What does that mean? When you're walking this walk, understand this. When those lures come your way, it's never going to be a lure that you can't handle. I need you to hear me. Please hear what I'm saying. When the lure, the temptation comes, you're going to be able to handle it. And what that is telling you out of God's word is you can win. It's never this one you can't win. No, you can win. So what he's saying is every temptation that comes your way is something that you can have victory in. Isn't that wonderful? To realize that in your head, when I'm tempted, God believes that I can overcome it because he wouldn't allow it. So there are some things that never come, ever. But I don't know, so I'll never know. But if it does come, boom, shakalaka. I can own it. I can own it. Read the scripture correctly. Read it correctly. You should be having parties when you read this stuff. 
going, oh my gosh, that is awesome. If a temptation comes, God ain't going to allow something. And I'm not, I'm not getting into any temptation that I couldn't handle. And I will never know what they are because I couldn't have handled them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. He goes on to say, he says, but with any temptation, he will make the way of escape. The word make is pueo. It means working from the inside outward. So he literally is saying, God will work something in you that will work outward of you. He will make a way of an escape that you may be able. Able is the Greek word dunamis. That literally means empowered, explosive ability, supernatural. How are you going to get that reading it? Able. No one ever is going to read the word able and think dynamite, power, explosion. Now you will, because most of the translations that put able, it's talking about dunamis, empowered by God, supernatural power by God. Are you hearing me? So he says, but with the temptation, he will work on the inside, a way of an escape that you may be empowered, supernatural empowered to bear it. And bear it means that you will be able to handle any load that comes your way. It's ability to feel a load and go, I got this. I got this. You ain't putting on no weights on your back that you are just going to fold to. It's a weight that goes, oh, oh, I feel it, but I got this. I got this. And you need to understand something. The reason why God isn't opening a door so you can run through it, run away, run away, because God doesn't operate that. God operates on your success and your ability to live a successful life. And the only way you can learn and understand that is to learn and to understand. Just as a parent isn't going to bail out their children, and if you're bailing out your children, they'll never learn, and you're paying for it now. Because the truth is, is when you teach your children the ability to bear up under, to handle the situation, you're training them to win in life. You're training yourself to win in life. Because why? Because that's what God does. God isn't in this for, oh, let's make him feel better. He's in it for, I want you to win every time you come under some pressure. I want you to win every time there's something coming at you. I want you to win every time when you're like going, I just don't know what I do. And God's like going, no, we're going to win. That's what we're going to do. Why? Because that's what God wants. He wants to train you. He wants to teach you. He wants you to understand that's what he's about. James 1.5 says, God does not tempt anyone. And don't even say it. Guarantee you can go on YouTube and watch all kinds of pastors say God tempts. And God in his word said, don't you say that. What's up with these people? I'm telling you, what's up with these people? Again, the enemy opened up and they believed it. God ain't tempting no one. The devil tempts. He's got all kinds of lures floating out there in the sea of life. You're going to take a bite or you're going to have victory? It's all on you. What are you going to do today? Choose Jesus this day who you serve. Amen.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.